Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 2, A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. Another double entendre there. A knight, knight, just different spelling. Mm-hmm. They're clever. This is only the third episode I can think of that all takes place in one location. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I believe Blackwater all takes place at King's Landing, and The Watchers on the Wall takes place at The Wall. And I think this is only the third one location episode. And well, <laughs> not that I expect you to be able to dig it up right away in your in your no, I'm just trying to go mind. through my mind, and I honestly just don't know if those episodes that you mentioned aren't all one location. There's very little time spent elsewhere. Right. Um, the one thing about this though is the only other place to be is King's Landing. Yeah, um, which so. I'm glad they didn't go to. I liked the one location. So, I mean, virtually everybody we care well, about is in one place. So. Yeah. That's kind of the other thing is almost everybody is here, so <laughs> we don't really need to go anywhere else. Yeah. Well, I liked it. I, I went online for two seconds before firing this thing up and already saw some salty reviewers. Really? Yeah. I, I didn't look for much. I just follow a couple people on Facebook and, yeah, I don't know. Haters going to hate. I loved it. I thought it was great. My, this is the caliber of Game of Thrones that I come to expect and I, I thought they really delivered here. Yeah, my only... It's not a criticism, but same as last episode. There's only four left now, so how much are they going to cram into those last four? Though I believe the episodes are longer. At least a couple of them are. Yeah, at I least hope three so. of them, I think, are like an hour and a half. I hope so. Yeah. It's almost like they're feature-length films that would go back to the 90s and they had to fit on a VHS tape. I hope so. I thought that w- that was going to start this week. I, th- I thought we were getting the battle this week. No, no. Um, this one was g- I-, I knew this one was going to be similar as last week, but there was no action and yet a lot happened for me with it and that's what I like so much about it I thought last week's for me was it it just wasn't put to like all the right ingredients were there but didn't quite come together that well where this was something where like yep everything came together really well the acting the pacing the writing um, the directing I I really enjoyed the music well yeah and they're giving us some closure we know some of these people will be gone after next week it's hard to say who Um, I don't even know if we want to speculate but Theon's got to be a goner next week. I think he will die. I think Grey Worm's going to go. Yeah. Yeah, when they give you a like a nice conversation. Well, that's what The like, Walking Dead did. And yeah. I haven't seen the, the last like couple seasons of The Walking Dead, but I remember a lot of times right before they're about to kill off a character, they would have like this nice little, like, this is what I would do in the future or some sort of connection moment yeah. or like something big, and then, oh, yep, they're dead. So they, it just got me thinking of that. Well, that's what they times. did with uh, Stannis and Shireen also. It was like the one time that they... I thought clearly pulled the Walking Dead trick, but I thought that was, uh, I thought I definitely had that thought with Grey Worm and Miss Andy tonight. Yeah. Well, all right. So it starts. Jorah's not going to make it. Mm, well, uh, we'll talk about that when we get to his sword. Let's, let's go kind of. <laughs> I, I might've said that fast, but I don't know. I'm just trying to, I'm going through all the characters now, but I do feel yeah. good about, I don't think Grey Worm's going to make it. Yeah. Let's, um, let's kind of go in chronological order here. I got a, like a bunch of notes and it starts exactly where we thought it would with, Jamie kind of on trial, more or less. And we find out that Cersei and her army is not coming, which is no surprise to anybody. We already knew that as an audience, but it makes Tyrion look, look bad once again. It's kind of what we were saying in our last podcast of like, you know, what's he really doing? I, I think the show's actually doing it on purpose. So it's not that they just weren't writing him well. It's that they're purposely showing him floundering. And, and okay, that I can buy. <laughs> and, and, and we weren't the only ones to notice it. <laughs> right, yeah. The other characters notice it too. So it's definitely there's got to be some payoff for all this. Well, and people come to his aid. 
This is an interesting episode of where people come to other people's aid because of things in the past. Right. So there's a, there's set up in moments that you could go back and, and rewatch. You can kind of go back and realize, wait a minute, this this is something that is of quite a lot of importance. And, and there were several characters where that happened here today. And for the very first one, it's Brienne for Jamie here. Jamie finally comes full circle. We're back to where he did some of the worst things as his old self here at Winterfell, like with Bran. And Bran is there for him and Cersei isn't. Yeah, Bran stands up for him. Tyrion stands up for him. And Bran does not throw him under the bus, which is all to be expected if you've been Yeah, we were attention. talking about that. But Bran isn't Bran anymore. The the way that Mira Reed said last season, you know, he died in that cave. He's the three-eyed raven now. And Jamie updates them about what Cersei's doing with the Golden Company and everything like that. So that was a show of good faith, perhaps. Well, and I feel like the show is setting it up of like, hey, we have big problems if we survive this. Yeah. Cersei's got a huge army. And I can't help but wonder if Tyrion did actually broker some arrangement with Cersei. Because we re- between last week and this week, we rewatched season seven. And they had their meeting where she- they met and she came back out and said she was going to help. But it didn't show us the full meeting, right? So there may be a conversation took place behind doors, but I don't know. Maybe not. And I have to say, I completely forgot that she is at least claiming to be pregnant. So, But, like, here's the thing. It's all inconsequential. So even if we both forgot, but it doesn't matter. At least if the show is is, is going to follow the books in this regard, which I do believe it is. I, I think maybe she's hooking up with Euron because it, it's a chance for him to think it's his. It's She's pulling the wool over his eyes the same way she did to Robert, you know, with Jamie's baby. She gets her Lannister or whatever. But the prophecy that Maggie the Frog gave her is you're going to have three kids. Gold shall be their crowns and gold shall be their shrouds. And that has already come and gone. This baby will not be born. So it's inconsequential to me. So that's why I think I forgot. It doesn't really matter. I was more thinking along the lines of her character of that she's reached these depths now that she's just ruthless in every regard because she doesn't have her motherhood identity to keep some of that humanity piece there anymore. And so that if that were to come along again and, and I kind of feel like she's gone too far where she doesn't want that back. She just wants to be ruthless all the time. Is she even pregnant? Like, is right. she just telling that Jamie to keep him around or whatever? And I he don't know. He seems to think. They, they go yeah. out of their way here in this episode to yeah. ask that. And he seems to think it's true. But yeah, the per the prophecies, she'll have three children. And, you know, prophecies are funny things. I, I thought maybe it's possible she will die in childbirth and that'll be younger, more beautiful replacement. But no, that doesn't make sense because she's got to get strangled by someone, according to the prophecy. Which only book readers would know, yeah, the Velencar. But they did introduce Maggie the Frog in some of the prophecies yeah. in, in the show. Well, we don't need to talk about Cersei. She wasn't even in this episode. <laughs> um, we had an interesting thing where Danny was basically outvoted. She was mad at, at Jamie and, you know, wanted to do bad things to him. And she was outvoted by Sansa because Brienne stood up for Jamie. And then also John didn't back her. And I, it seems like she thought he would. And John is being distant throughout until the end, which we'll talk about that later. But we understand why. And poor Danny doesn't. What I like again here is, so we were talking about Tyrion and how he's he's been floundering here a little bit. And Jorah comes to his aid. Yeah, that was good and unexpected. But Jorah is incredibly intelligent when he's not getting in his own way. And so the time that Tyrion and Jorah had together was enough to manifest, you know, correct assumptions and understandings of Tyrion. And so again, this is an episode where a lot of people come to other people's aid. And I liked it. I liked that, that Jorah did that. It was a nice touch. There was a lot of like... 
terminations, if you will, in this episode. Uh, like things kind of coming together and like endings as they prepare for this battle. It, it's almost like they're wrapping up a lot of ends in some ways for us. Oh yeah, for sure. Like him being at peace with not being number one guy or whatever for Danny, you mean? Or for his house. Uh, yeah. For uh, House Mormont. Yes. He's really kind of at peace with where he's at, and, and he's found where he belongs. Yeah, I was hoping to see a meeting between him and the little girl, Liana Mormont, yeah. and yeah. we got it. So we're kind of jumping out of sequence, but that's fine. Let's just talk about Jorah now. I didn't have anywhere on my radar that that sword would be given to Jorah. That, I, I like that a lot, because Sam stole it, and we're like, why did he steal it? What's he going to do with it? There's got to be something for that. And when he stole it in season six, you thought that this was going to lead to some storyline where Randall's like hunting him down, right? That was like... Like, why are they including in this in this story? Well, I ultimately thought that he stole it because he knew how important Valerian Steel was and, and his family's got one and that his dad was never going to use it the way it needed to be used to fight yeah. um, the, the true war here. So I, I wasn't surprised that it showed up here. I'm not shocked that Jorah got it, though. I, I didn't know, but... I, I, no, I it, it makes it. perfect sense. It just I, just I just don't think anybody thought about it. I bet you if we pulled 100 people to watch this, they'd think that's a nice touch that they hadn't considered. Yeah, yeah, you know. I like it. So, yeah, that was good. And then, uh, well, Arya. Arya and, and, and Gendry. I call that, I call that, I call that. Well, she shows up and he's... he's sti- <laughs> and I love those two together. He's sticking his weapon into a thing of water. And oh, it's- I thought you were taking that a different way. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm hinting at a different way. I, I thought there was sexual undertones in the way they filmed that. He's He's poking... And the what he's well, steaming his steaming she's chest. Watching him. Yeah, she's yeah. watching him. Well, there's one point where she's like looking at his body and then raises her eyes to his face and stuff. So we commented that they were flirting last episode. And yeah, no, and yep, that was. And, and um, he reveals who he is to her, and she's surprised. Yeah, I don't think Arya is surprised very often anymore, and she's surprised to hear this, which basically means they they both have noble blood. This is maybe the Robert Ned kind of analog that we've been kind of looking for in this show you know the the Brathian and the Starks that are truly close in the very know. first episode he says let's join our houses together and technically this could be a way to do it even though Robert never met Gendry and yeah. doesn't know that what's interesting is that uh, I'm jumping ahead really quick but but Dan- and we'll talk about it more when we get there but just to illustrate this point Danny tells John you're the last male heir of House Targaryen Gendry's the last male heir of that's another potential civil war of, that of, you know like House yeah. Baratheon Gendry is legit bastard where, in fact, John is not now. But just for all intents and purposes, we've got these two bastards who are the last male heirs of huge houses. Well, and if John and Danny don't survive this tale, Gendry might be the next logical choice if he gets legitimized somehow. Or he could just rise up and say, I'm a Baratheon. Mm-hmm. And he would have a perfectly good claim to the throne. I don't see Arya as the queen type. I, no. I don't think it's going to go I, that direction. Gendry's not the king but, type either. Yeah. But he does have a claim. Uh, Sansa. Sansa is queen type. Yeah. Arya um, doesn't fully seem to get the threat. In, at least in the first scene with her and Gendry. Because she's throwing the knives and asking all cocky and asking what it's like to fight them. And she's familiar with death and she wants to see the face. I think she's just not fully prepared. Except that the next scene when they have sex, she does seem like... Maybe well, she knows, he's so. sleeping? It's, yeah, well, he's yeah, good for him. <laughs> he's the only one in the castle. <laughs> yeah. I guess he's doing okay. No, and he knows what's coming. Yeah, that's just what's so ironic about it. So we we got a little bit of like battle preparation, which I just liked. I think that that's kind of underutilized sometimes. But they're getting the castle ready. They're putting up all the arms. Brienne is training the army, and we see Pod is suddenly he's got a some good sword fighter. Yeah. now. A little bit longer hair and a voice of an angel. Yeah, he's. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
Pod is no longer awkward, like like which was such a lovable part of his character, but he's he's shed that now. Yeah, he's a man now. Yeah. He's a fighting man. But even the way that he looks at Tyrion when Tyrion gives him that, that big cup of wine, he just you can see that kind of youthful innocence has been been lost now, which I don't blame him. He's probably seen and been through a lot here and Well then Jamie approaches Brienne and um So did he come to be with her? Well he came to to be with her in some sense, it seems. Yeah. It seems that he, he wants to fight for the living or whatever, but had she been elsewhere, maybe he wouldn't have arrived. I don't know exactly. And in what sense does he want to be with her? He stalls out when he's talking to her, so maybe he truly wants to be with her, but he can only frame it in a, I want to be with you on the field kind of thing for now. I thought there was some between the lines there that we're still navigating this episode, yeah, which I- makes me think both will survive. There's a connection between those two, and, and it, it doesn't have to be sexual in order for it to be really powerful. They just have one of the, the most beautiful relationships of, of the stories. Like, there, there's a few that stand out for me, and, and that's one that, in a small group with others, that is really, truly amazing. There's definitely something special about a relationship that brings the best of people out, you know, and at least brings the best of Jamie out. She is, Brianna's is consistent with her best pretty much always being out. Yeah, um, but I think that's her effect on other people. She's right. done it with Pod. She She's done it with Jamie here. The episode is really named after her. She really is actually what a knight is. Pretty much all the time. It's not dependent on this situation or that situation. Yeah. And then when she gets knighted. Oh, that was such she, a touching scene. It was a good scene. It was, um, I normally don't think of her as a good actor. Like, she's not a bad actor. She means she's just kind of someone that got cast because of the way she looks. But there, there was something very genuine about her smile after, yeah. she, with tears in her eyes. Like, I thought it was well, a convincing her, her smile. Her chin quivers the whole time Jane yeah. is knighting her, which I kept thinking, she's going to get up, she's going to do it. We all know you want this, Brianne, go. And she does. And, I mean, not only is she getting knighted, but she's getting knighted by Jamie, which I think is really the best way now. I mean, when her younger self, it would have been Renly, but right. now I think this really is the best way she could have ever received this. But it's also her being legitimized in front of all these people. And it's that's something that she's been chasing after her whole life and, and has never really received, and she just kind of tolerates it. But here, this is a moment where she's actually treated the way that she, like, what she's earned and what she's deserved. Um, and, 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 like, I just kept thinking thinking of like this means so much to her how powerful this moment must be for her character and so to see her have like this stern and try to have like a stoic face and yet that little chin quiver throughout most of it I thought was just brilliant I, it was just the right balance of both for me and Davos was there and he's pretty much the only other person in the show that we've seen who has been recognized much um larger than the traditional rules would allow. Yeah. You know, he was Stannis's hand and now he's plays a prominent role for Danny and and sorry, well, for John rather. And uh yeah, he's yeah, he was knighted by Stannis and given hand of the king. So made a lord, whatever. So there's no real reason for Davos to be there except they had to put him somewhere, but I yeah. just thought it was a nice touch that the it was kind of like a hodgepodge of various yeah. characters and such and, and Tormund was offering some comic relief which I laughed out loud that was legit funny to me I, I criticized some of the humor not all of it from last episode but this was way more in line with what I find funny and I just think he's hilarious yeah, I thought if if he kept coming on to Brienne, which he did, but I was like, all right, this is going to get old. But then he told the story of <laughs> suckling on the giant's teeth, and uh, I didn't expect which I'm that. Trying to remember from the books, is that from there? I just can't. remember. If it is, I can't. I can't remember. Yeah, but, but it was funny. There is yeah. some story of him with something. I just can't remember what it is right now. I think it was him having sex with a bear, right? <laughs> Wasn't that <laughs> the story? I don't know. Whatever. But yeah, that was funny and. 
I, I at that point I still thought that we might get some fighting this episode. I knew it was running short on time, but it still felt tense to me because I thought some fighting might come, so it was well injected in there. So Danny tries to make nice with Sansa, and it starts off Quite so a match well between those two. Yeah, it starts off well. They're kind of bonding a little bit. They're chit-chatting. Um, Sansa knows how to do this. I feel like Sansa's humoring her if you will because she knows that she needs to and she also needs to know what Danny wants and this is a way to better understand that and unfortunately Danny still has her mind set on what she wants which is all seven kingdoms well and so here's the thing I, I trust Sansa's character now they've really gone out of their way especially a lot last episode to illustrate that Sansa's quite clever and at the top now the fact that Sansa has such a problem with Danny, I, I feel like is telling. And and so, and I, th- I think this is exactly it, is, is that she sees Danny for the tyrant that, that she really is. She's coming in a better disguised sheep's clothing than her father, but it, it's really more of the same. And she doesn't want the North subjected to it. Yeah, maybe. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but there's not that much to say about Sansa in this episode. Is that she spends her last night with Theon. And she kind of broke her Sansa character in becoming quite emotional when she sees him. Yeah, when Theon arrived. So yeah. he, he means a lot to her, which I get. He saved her, but but they're they're definitely setting something up with those two. Well, so it's interesting that she spent a night last night with Theon because one, I don't think Theon's going to survive, but two, she has no man anywhere in this story, and she looks a little bit like the Virgin Queen of England, the red hair one, <laughs> Elizabeth. So, yeah, so maybe. <laughs> Maybe she will be, she's not a virgin, but maybe she will be a solo queen at the end of the story mm-hmm. without a man. I wrote down that Theon came home for the first time. Yeah. So in his whole life, Winterfell could never be his home. He went to the Iron Islands. That wasn't his home either. And and just with everything that has happened and how what's led him to be here, he finally came home and he was received. And, and for me, as an audience member, that was a very, very like poignant moment. We paused for a brief second to organize our notes because even though this whole episode takes place in one location, there's, <laughs> there's so many different little conversations to talk about. But when we did that, we looked it up, confirmed that that Tormund Giant Bane story was from the books. And so was him sleeping with a bear story. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. they're, they're so, both in the books. There's a couple minor differences from how the show said it here, but it's essentially the same thing. One quick thing I forgot to say about Davos is just he's feeding these people the stew or whatever, and this little girl comes up to him who was, I think, clearly meant to remind him of Shireen. Shireen. She had the burn on her face, and he seemed to be struck by her. So I have a really weird thing that I'm going to say here, and it's probably not going to be the truth. But what if that's Lady Melisandre disguised as that little girl who is going to go defend the people in the crypts? The last time we saw Lady Melisandre was at Dragonstone when she's talking to Varys. And he's basically saying, don't ever come back. And she's like, I will die here. I will die in in Westeros, says, will you? Um, And so she hasn't shown up since. We haven't seen her since. What is she going to do? She now believes Jon is Azora High. Pretty much here we are at, at, at that pinnacle moment. And so the fact that they made her look like Shireen, or that girl look like Shireen, yeah. Is like, I kept thinking, why would they do that? What's the point of that here? Yeah, they did. And I could see Lady Melisandre maybe trying to redeem herself for burning Shireen. And they did remind us that Melisandre exists in this episode when Gendry was talking to... Yeah. So if she shows up next episode... Yeah, if you're right about that, that would be interesting. But she must show up soon. Yeah. Next episode or the one after. Maybe she'll be save them when Winterfell's being overrun. Somehow she'll intervene. And then we have a meeting with everybody. Bran kind of tells us the motivation of the Night's King, which is to erase 
Uh, well, it's to have a long night forever. Long the only night. way to do that is to erase any memory of, of their world now. Yeah. And he's the personification of memory. I've always wondered if the Night King intended to leave Westeros if he takes it over. Does he want to take over the whole world? Or is he just content to be in Westeros? And Well, he can fly over on dragons now. I hope they, yeah. I hope they give us a deeper motivation than that at some point. Because that's just pure evil, which is fine, you know. But I hope there's something a little deeper to his story, which I'm sure there is. Well, he's not mindless and his soldiers aren't mindless. Right. The white, yeah, the other white walkers aren't. Right. Yeah. So, you know, the, the whites are. But but he's actually, there's a little bit more going on there. So, like, why would he be any different from anyone else who wants to be king? Yeah, I don't know. I just... Not that I want him to be, but, like, I don't think it's that novel of a concept here. Yeah, but just to be power hungry to rule over a bunch of zombies, I, I guess if that's the nature of what he is, then that's the way it is. Um, seems kind of pointless to me, but... <laughs> Maybe it's a metaphor. It's... <laughs> yeah. Making all these rounds of people talking to each other, Arya briefly talks to the Hound and Beric Dondarrion. She asks him, why are you here? You know, you've always been a selfish fighter. Why are you here? And I was kind of hoping we'd get an answer from him. But he's like, Jamie, he's not the same person he used to be. He said, well, I fought for you, didn't I? So we know he's... And she didn't say anything to that. He was yeah. right. Yeah, right. We know he's kind of a good guy. I just... I don't know. Well, he's w- got to kill his brother, so he will definitely not die. Yeah, I agree. There's going to be Clegane Bowl, right? He'll probably fight the mountain, so he'll survive. But it's one of the few times where I think more would have been better than less, and I just, I don't know, kind of wish we got a response from him. Beric? Beric will probably not survive. No, I don't think he will either. I, I think he's cool with that, though. I think he might die fighting the Night King. He might make it that yeah. far. Yeah, I and, can see that. Yeah. And that's why he needed to live. I could see him fighting the Night King and giving them, probably in conjunction with other characters, but giving them the in that they need to kill him. And that's why he's been saved. Like, they have thrown it out there so many times. Why have you been saved? Yeah. And that would at least answer the question. If he has some stupid death, then I'm going to be annoyed. Right, yeah. He just gets overrun. Or killed by a bear Because like he's Thoros. no more significant than any of the other fighters there. And they've already clearly shown us, like, there's people there who don't know how to fight at all. Like, Beric has a huge role to play. Yeah. Since he's dead and been brought back to life, I've always wondered, is he... So the, the White Walkers have their whites. Is he, like, a fire white? And is John a fire white? And will the Night's King kill him? And then when he tries to revive him, it doesn't work out? Or something like that. Is there something... You know, he's just the opposite of a of an ice white. And, and it's funny. I completely forgot that the Hound killed Beric. Yeah, right. <laughs> now the these bonding, two guys you know. are hanging out and stuff. Like. <laughs> the only other one I have is John and Danny. Do you have anybody else you want to talk about before we get there? We, we've talked about a little bit already of the, the humor, but... It, Brienne finds herself in a situation where there's two guys who are kind of vying for her affection, if you will. Oh, yeah. And that's how Tormund kind of started with the humor. He wanted to, like, Alpha Jamie. Yeah, you know, they, he saw there was something all going over, on. Yeah. yeah. Um, we finally see Ghost again. I kind of wondered what had happened to Ghost, but there he is just right. up at the top of yeah. one of the. If you blinked, towers. you might have missed it. Right. But, like, that's kind of been an odd continuity thing where he kind of just shows up and doesn't, shows up and doesn't. You're like, oh, okay. Well, they say, like, how much CGI do they want to commit to the dog if they got to do dragons and stuff? This was such a great episode to me because I like that they took the time for us to see what I was calling before these terminations, these goodbyes. So it's not just everybody dies and there's a battle. This is a great way to lead into this next episode to have the closure that I want from this show with a lot of these characters and their storylines. Yeah, and I don't know if making a, a stand at Winterfell was the best idea. Where else should they have done it? The Eyrie. 
But th- that's not a place to make a stand. They're, they're trying to defeat them. And they're trying to defeat them. Every time they come more south, they gain more soldiers. Yeah. So House Umber is now part of it. They need to get them as soon as possible. And Winterfell is the biggest place for quite some time. The entire yeah. north would become the dead. Speaking of which, so the introduction credits... You see the gray ice leaving the wall, and it led up to Last Hearth last episode, but now it has consumed it. And I think next episode, or at least the one after that, in the introduction credits, you will see the ice has consumed Winterfell as well. It'll keep moving southward in the opening credits until it gets to King's Landing or whatever. So keep an eye on that. At some point, the Night's King is going to have to be killed, and I'm pretty sure it's not going to be Cersei who does it. (laughs) Well, as Bran said, are you sure that there's anything after this? Would be a shitty way to end the story. <laughs> Which, it's kind of funny because it's like, he can't see. It's very unclear to me. Uh, the nature of his powers. Right. So really leaving that. So open. it looks like when he when he looks into the past, it's like Google. He needs some guidance. He had to be directed to see John's parents be yeah, married. Yeah. yeah. And then in the future, I guess he can't see the future. I mean, he doesn't know if Dragonfire will kill the Night's King. So Anyway, speaking of john's parents he tells danny i i didn't think he would i don't think i would right then um, i wanted him to he, well of course he, he was th- giving her the cold shoulder that it wasn't making sense and john's just way too honorable to it made sense for his character to me to tell her i just had this terrible thought of what if she leaves during the battle she just my immediate response was she would lose credibility with all her people like the ones that really do like her like the Dothraki and, and the Unsullied and, and oh such. I know but maybe they're they get, all... getting wiped and she, I don't know it, anyways so he told her and she didn't she, react well yeah no she at first um, not that like there was a like a happy reaction for her but like she reacted the way I'm now expecting her to she wanted to say it wasn't true at first denied it's a conspiracy whatever and she really didn't have time to process it and the next episode seeing how she reacts will of course be very telling about what the future holds for her but even like her comments to him are funny to me because right away her mind's going to like you're the last surviving male heir of house Targaryen that should be a big deal for her house there's a lot of identity here, so what John wasn't happy to hear it either, because you think you're a certain person, and then you get your identity ripped out from you in some sense. So, and I, I thought her response was kind of appropriate. But like, then she goes right there and she says, "You, you know, if we survive this, you have a claim to the Iron Throne," which I found a very, very funny thing to say. He doesn't have a claim. He's it. Yeah. She's yeah, not. Yeah. She's as much there as Renly was. After Stannis, like they're... Stannis was the one true king, and John is the one true king. If you care about these things, when I posted our first episode one Winterfell on social media, there was a little conversation about fan theory and stuff. And anyone who's listened to us before, we don't go too deep into fan theories because we don't want to spoil it for anybody if they happen to be true. We don't want to spoil it for ourselves. So I kind of will speculate on things that seem obvious when you watch the show, like will Danny be good? Will Danny be bad? But we're not going to go into. Kate just said one spoiler that I'll add at the end of the episode if you want to listen to it. <laughs> it's not a big one if you pay attention at all. People have talked about this a lot, but I will I will add it to the back. So potential spoiler warning in three, two, one. Um, Is Brian the Night's nice King? It, so we're not going to go into to certain bigger things. So I'm going to edit that out. I know you um, are. Your face. Yeah. Well, it would have, it would, would be funny to keep. But. We'll listen to it and see yeah. how it goes. It's so widely known, and I don't think it's going to ruin it. Uh, there's a lot of casual viewers. Um, I think you should keep it, but if you want to take it out. <laughs>